All right. Let's do some preaching. I got to tell you, I am excited about this. Um, I've been looking forward to this sermon series for a while. I plan pretty far in advance, and, and uh, I've really been looking forward to what we've got going on here. I'll explain more of that in just a minute, but I want to start this morning with a story. good friend of mine was in a talent contest in Louisville when he was in seventh grade, and he and a group of his friends performed a song. By the way, I'm not going to tell you how long ago seventh grade was for this friend, because he wouldn't appreciate that. Um, but uh, he, was, uh, he was performing this song with his group of friends at the Brown Hotel in Louisville when uh, the celebrity judge came up behind him. My friend was looking out the 10th floor window on the Brown Hotel in Louisville, and one of the celebrity judges came up behind him, picked him up, and said, what would it be if I just threw you out this window, young man? And, you know, what, what, what can you say to that? You know, that's not something that a normal person would say to another person. And, you know, it's probably not one of those stories that you would tell a whole bunch of people except for that celebrity judge had the name of Cassius Clay who went on to change his name to Muhammad Ali and would, of course, become the most famous boxer of all time. One of the most famous lines that Muhammad Ali had was, you see this face? It's never even been bruised. And my friend always had to chuckle at that because when he saw him in the Brown Hotel in 1960, it was right after he got back from the Olympics in Rome where he had won the gold medal against that Russian gentleman whose name I can't pronounce. And his face was badly bruised. And see, my friend knew that it was a lie because he saw him just weeks afterwards and he was still deeply bruised from those 1960 Olympics. Listen. I don't care who you are or what you know about boxing. That's a cool story, okay? And if you don't think that's a cool story, I'm just, listen, that's a cool story. And if you leave here thinking that I'm wrong, then I'll pray for you all week, okay? That is a neat story. We all meet people. Sometimes we even meet famous people. And that makes for a really great story. Meeting a famous person or a powerful person is a fun experience and a great story. But here's the deal. A great story doesn't change your life. Great story doesn't change your life. My friend met Cassius Clay in Louisville and it didn't change the course of his life. He didn't become a boxer. Right? It didn't change the course of his life. It gave him a great story. But it didn't change his life. There are a lot of people who have met Jesus. There are a lot of people who have a great story to tell about the time they encountered Jesus. I don't want that for us. I don't want that for us. As crazy as it sounds, I don't want us to just meet Jesus and then go on our merry way. I want us to get to know Jesus. I want us to be changed and challenged by Jesus. I want us to be shaped by Jesus. I want us to go on a journey to change. I want us to go on a journey to change together. So I'm going to challenge you this morning. I know that some of you, this may be your first time here. This may be your second time here. Some of you attend semi-regularly. Some of you attend pretty regularly. I want to invite you to go on this journey with us. Over the next 16 weeks, we're going to study chapter by chapter the Gospel of Mark. 
And we're going to go on this journey to change. We're going to go where Jesus went. We're going to hear what Jesus said, see what Jesus did. And we're going to be changed by who Jesus is. So I want to ask you, will you commit to being a part of this journey with us? If you do, I know that God's going to meet you on this journey. And if you let him, see this is the key, if you let him, he will change your life. So, if you're here and you want to be a part of this journey, just you don't even have to look at your wife, just squeeze her hand real quick. Tell her you're going to do that. I'm going to do this. Uh, if you're here by yourself, just... Just say to yourself right now, I'm going to do this. I want to be a part of this journey to change. I want to experience Jesus, and I don't want to leave with just a cool story. I want to pray for this journey that we're about to start together, and then we're going to open up our Bibles and let God get to work. So, God, you are the Lord of all creation. You are our Father and we ask you, Father, that you would bless this journey that we are about to start. Would you meet us where, you, where we are, and would you give us the courage to change? God, I'm a preacher up here, and I confess to you now that I'm relying fully on your promise that your word would not return void. So would you please speak through your word and teach through your word? Because mine are just words, but yours are full of life and truth, and salvation. We trust you, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Let's get started. Mark chapter 1. We'll start in verse 14. You can open up your Bibles, or I'll have it up here on the screen for you. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee, where he preached the good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. Well, one day, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they were fishermen. They fished for a living. And Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets, and at once followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John. They were in a boat repairing their nets, and he called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach, and the people were amazed at his teaching, for, they, for he taught as one with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Suddenly, a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. But Jesus reprimanded him. He said, Be quiet. Come out of this man. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out of him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of a new teaching is this, they, they asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. And the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. So in this text, there are three different groups of people 
that encountered Jesus. And I want to take a closer look at each of them and learn what we can learn from these groups of people who encounter Jesus. First up, a man named Simon and his brother Andrew. Of course, we know Simon by the name Peter. He went on to do some interesting things for the kingdom of God. Here's how this encounter with Jesus starts for Simon Peter and his brother Andrew. Jesus says, follow me. I'll make you become fishers of men. Immediately they leave their nets and they follow him. I don't know about you, but this text is kind of amazing to me. Uh, These guys, they just leave their whole lives because Jesus says, hey, come on. Like, I need more convincing than that to make lunch plans, okay? And these guys drop everything and just follow Jesus. Text says they were dropping their nets. They dropped their nets and they followed Jesus. Of course, they're not just dropping their nets, right? They're not just dropping their nets. They are going into their boss's office and they're saying, I quit. No warning. They're leaving the field in the middle of planting season. They've been contracted for a project and they walk out never to return again. They are shutting down their business and giving up their livelihood. I got to tell you, those are things you can't just undo. You leave your field unplanted in the middle of the harvest. There are going to be some ramifications for that. You start a project that you were contracted to do and not finish it, there are going to be some ramifications for that. You go into your boss's office tomorrow morning and say, I quit, I guarantee you your office is going to look a little different on Tuesday. You can't just undo something like that when you drop your net. That's a permanent thing. This teaches us something. It teaches us that if you're going to follow Jesus... You have to decide he's worth it. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to decide he's worth it. That's a major concept in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus says if you're, not going, to, if you're going to build a tower, you better make sure that you've got enough brick. If you're going to go to war, you better make sure that your army's large enough. If you're going to follow Jesus, you better make sure that you understand what it is that you're doing. If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to decide he's worth it. Why does he have to be worth it? Because just like those two fishermen, you're going to have to leave things behind. They left their jobs. Maybe you have to leave your job when you decide to follow Jesus. Probably not, but let's say, let's say before you meet Christ, you work, you work at an adult movie store. That's kind of an in-your-face example, isn't it? Maybe let's say before you meet Christ, that's where you work, and all of a sudden, after you meet Jesus and start a relationship with Him, all of a sudden that's not squaring up with your conscience anymore and suddenly you feel like you've got to drop the net. Maybe it's not your job. Maybe this one will hit a little closer to home. Maybe you play a little fast and loose with your income taxes and say, ah, it'll even out in the end. Suddenly your faith starts growing and you feel like you've got to drop that net. Or, or maybe you just like to sleep in a little bit on Sundays. Right? Sleep in on Sundays, read the paper, get a cup of coffee, and then you've got an 11 o'clock tea time. Or you like to go out to the lake. Suddenly your faith starts growing and you're convicted that it's time to drop that net. If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to decide He's worth it. Because Jesus demands to be the top priority. Maybe you're not going to have to give up your job. Probably not. Maybe you're going to have to change some aspect of your life that's immoral, probably. 
Maybe Jesus is going to call you and challenge you to step outside of your comfort zone and do something that you never thought you would do, like get up and deliver a communion meditation in front of a room full of people or get on a stage and sing or teach a room full of three-year-olds. I find that terrifying. There's a reason I preach. because I don't want to be outnumbered by little people, okay? Maybe someday God's going to tell me, you got to drop your net. Go in that room with those three-year-olds. If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to decide he's worth it because Jesus demands to be the top priority. So if we're talking about following Jesus, if we're talking about following Jesus, he's either the top priority or you're not following. He's either the top priority or you're not following. Now that sounds a bit harsh. <laughs> that sounds a bit harsh, and some of you don't appreciate that, but here's the deal. Truth always gets the strongest reaction. So Jesus is either the top priority or you're not following. And by the way, this isn't just me. I'm not saying this. This is Jesus. I want you to take a look about a man who met Jesus uh, somewhere else in the Gospels. Uh, this is from Matthew. Uh, someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask, about, or why ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There's only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Well, which ones, the man asked. Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. Well, I've done all those commandments, the young man replied. What else do I got to do? Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all of your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then you'll have treasure in heaven. After that, come and follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad. He went away sad, for he had many possessions. You see, a couple years down the road, that man who met Jesus and, and was interested in following him, a couple years down the road when, when that sadness leaves, you know what he's going to have? He's going to have a great story about that time he met Jesus. And he'll be able to tell it at the parties with his friends. He's going to have a great story about that time that he met Jesus. But he will not have his life changed by Jesus. Can't hold on to the things we want to hold on to and pick and choose them and follow Jesus at the same time. He's either the top priority or we're not following. This encounter, it reminds me of a couple. Uh, they were celebrating their 50th wedding anniversary. It also happened to be the man's 70th birthday. It was a big day for him. 50th wedding anniversary, 70th birthday. And so they went to the same hotel suite that they had their honeymoon on. And that's, yeah, that's romantic, isn't it? And, and as they're sitting and they're reminiscing over the years, talking about all the wonderful memories that they have, uh, a genie appears in the room and says, listen, you two have been a really great couple over the years. You have been an inspiration to your relatives, to your neighbors, to your coworkers. You've given a really wonderful example of what a healthy, God-honoring marriage is like. So I am going to grant you each one wish. Ladies first. And, and he goes to the woman, and the woman says, all right, I know what I want. I want a month-long cruise that travels the whole world. Poof. Right there on the coffee table in the middle of the room. Two tickets for a cruise that's going to go around the whole world and last the whole month. He turns to the man. He says, all right, sir, what do you want? The guy kind of hem-haws for a second. And he says, Jeannie, 
can I, can I talk to you in private? So they go into the other room and close the door, and Jeannie says, hey, what can I do for you? man says, here's the deal. I'd, <laughs> I'd really like a wife who's 30 years younger than me. And Jeannie says, okay. All of a sudden, the man's 100 years old. <laughs> That's kind of what it's like when we try and follow Jesus and still hold on to something else. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. If we're going to try and follow Jesus and hold on to our old way of living, to our old patterns, we are going to run into some resistance. And at some point, we're going to be confronted with this. We're going to be confronted with a moment where Jesus says, you need to do this. And we'll either obey or like that young man, we'll leave sad. It doesn't work if we try and follow Jesus and hold on to our old way of living. He calls us to change. Let's keep going. Going on a little further, he saw James the son of Zebedee and John his brother who were also in the boat. They were mending their nets. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. We're talking about following Jesus. I'm just going to tell you, nothing is off limits. Now, we can square in our mind that, that God is probably going to challenge our preferences from time to time and, and maybe take us out of our comfort zone. I don't really want to be in the room full of three-year-olds, but I can square it in my mind that God may call me to do that, and I can, I can probably do that. We can get rid of our comforts, our preferences, even our luxuries if we have to. But what about when we have to do something more extreme? James and John, Jesus says, follow me. And they're leaving their dad. They're leaving their dad because that's what it took to follow Jesus. Jesus said this later in his ministry, Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and your mother, your wife and your children, your brothers and your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciples. Now, I need you to understand this. I'm not encouraging anybody to hate their families. I get it. This verse is popular with teenagers. It's not what they're saying here. What Jesus is saying is if your love for me isn't the top priority, even over your own family, you aren't following me. Fortunately, one of God's biggest priorities is the family. He's not going to ask you to abandon your family. Right? Can I just tell you that? He's not going to ask you to abandon your family. If you think you're getting that, you're probably listening wrong. Okay? He is going to call you to lead your family closer to God at the expense of preferences, though. He is going to call you to lead your family closer to God, even when it means saying no to the popular choice, even when it means saying no and everybody else is getting to do this and your family is going to be mad at you for a while because your priority is holiness and being closer to God. So we make a mistake a lot of time. We say, well, if I provide what my family wants, if I give them a good life, then I'm doing right. No. If we lead our families closer to God, we're doing what's right. So here's the thing about eternity. It's a lot longer than our lives here on earth. So I'd rather set my family up for eternity than for retirement. Now, we may not be called to give up our families 
In fact, in, in our country, we're probably not going to be. But understand that there are places in the world where somebody may be called to leave their family for the sake of following Christ. I want to introduce you to Tagu. Uh, Tagu and I went to school together. He grew up in Indonesia, and he became a Christian at the age of 15. And uh, when he became a Christian at the age of 15, his family kicked him out of his house, and they had a funeral for him. They had a funeral for him. Tagu knew something and learned something at a very young age that we struggle to remember. He learned that Jesus is worth following at any cost, or he's not worth following at all. He's worth following at any cost, or he's not worth following at all. I don't know. Maybe you do need to leave your job. Maybe you do need to guide your family in a different direction towards godliness. Maybe you do need to change some priorities. I don't know. But I do know that Jesus is worth following at any cost. Let me give you one more. Jesus and his companions, they went to the town of Capernaum. And when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and he began to teach. And the people were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus and Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. And Jesus said, Be quiet and come out of that man. That the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion, and he came out of him. And then amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. They said, What sort of new teaching is this? It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. And the news about Jesus spread quickly through the entire region of Galilee. There are a lot of people who meet Jesus in this story. Let me modernize it just a little bit. Jesus walks into church on Sunday morning and starts preaching the sermon. Okay? There's a lot of people that meet Jesus, that encounter Jesus on this, it'd be Saturday here. And then the people, they reacted to that. Everybody was amazed. They thought it was amazing that He taught with authority. They thought it was amazing that even the evil spirits obeyed Him. And then they went home. Here's the deal. Jesus doesn't care if you think he's amazing. He cares if you follow him. Jesus doesn't care if you think he's amazing. Oh, Jesus is awesome. Jesus is great. Jesus is really cool. Jesus doesn't care if that's what you think about him. He cares if you decide to follow. Lots of people have met extraordinary individuals and have been left with nothing more than a cool story. That's fine. It's nice to have a great story to tell at a party, but it doesn't change your life. I met Larry Bird, and it hasn't changed my life. I'm still terrible at basketball. You know who changes your life? You know who changes your life? It's not the extraordinary people that you meet along the way. It's not the rich, the famous, or the powerful. Those people don't change your life. The people who change your life are the people who are a part of your life. You know who's changed my life the most? My mom. My dad, my grandparents, John Trinkle, Chris Wessner, Jeff Smith, and most of all, Leah. Those are the people who have changed my life. The people who change your life are the people who are a part of your life. Our prayer over this next 16 weeks is simple. It's really simple. Don't let Jesus be somebody you meet. Let him be someone who changes you. That's our heart for these next three months.
Some of you are here today and, and you aren't following Jesus and, and here's what you need to know. I was, you're going, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not really following Jesus. I'm not sure if I'm ready to, to keep going here. What if people think I'm faking or something like that? Uh, what if I'm pretending to be somebody I'm not? You're not following Jesus and here's what you need to know. You should come back. You should come back. You should absolutely come back. Do I want you to follow Jesus? Absolutely. But if you don't know what that means, then I want you to learn. And I want to learn together with you. So come back. Just commit to being here as we study the Gospel of Mark together. Or maybe you're close to being ready to make that commitment. But you're not quite ready. You've got a few more questions. You're uneasy about it. That's okay. Why don't we, why don't we talk after service? We'll sit down and talk as long as you need to. Maybe you're here today and, and you're ready to make that commitment to follow Jesus. And I'm excited about that. I know that if that's you, you're not making that decision lightly, that you've thought about it. You've thought about the cost that it might take. You've thought that God might ask you to give up something uncomfortable, but you've realized that whatever he asks you to give up, it's worth it in light of eternity. If that's you, I want to I tell you to come forward and be baptized today. The rest of us, we're going to stand and sing. Um, but if you need to make that decision to follow Jesus, then I think you should do it today. For the rest of us, I want to invite you to be a part of this journey to change, and I want to pray for that time now. God, we come before you, and we know that we're not perfect. We know that we all have things that we need to change in our lives. God, we know that there are things that we need to give to you we pray that you give us the courage to do that. We pray that you lay it on our hearts. God, I pray that over these next three months that for each of us, you would change us and shape us and mold us into your image and your likeness, God. We pray that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds as we read your word. So God, would you please work on all of us? And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.